Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... You don't want to let wrong thinking lead you to make wrong actions that land you on the wrong team. Amen? And so how do we stop all that? Before you get to wrong thinking, pray. Uh, After you pray, read the Word. Let your thoughts be taken captive. Let the Word of God inform how you're thinking, how you're processing. Um, Let God through prayer be the one to guide you what your actions should be or should not be. And don't ever switch teams. You are for eternity on the team that God has put you. I'm with God. There are some professional ball players who are always jumping around from team to team. They might sign a contract for a few years, but as soon as there's more money elsewhere, they're out of there. They have no loyalty. They're only looking out for themselves. In today's message, Pastor Bill encourages, if you've made a commitment to Jesus, then to stick to it. There are always going to be things that discourage you from moving forward. But don't be looking around. Stay on Team Jesus. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 29, as he continues his message, Lord, save me from myself. Something you haven't seen since David started talking to himself is David talking to the Lord. Notice that. Prior to this, David would inquire of the Lord, seek the Lord, go to the priest. You know, it was always some way looking to the Lord, seeking the Lord. But since chapter 27, verse 1, where David talked to himself, said in his heart, he hasn't been, he hasn't spoke to the Lord yet, right? Since he spoke into his own heart, he'd been just going and doing and going and doing. He's not going to turn to the Lord until things will get as bad as they can get. And then finally, he will turn back to the Lord. Thank God. But I believe that there's a lesson here in us being careful about letting discouragement push us away from God. In our times of trouble, we need to run to the Lord. Bible says he's an ever present help in our times of trouble. And so we got to go to him. Uh, I love Hebrews. Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that phrase in time of need means when you need it the most. God's like, come, I want you to come boldly to my throne. I want you to approach the throne of grace with a level of boldness that you may find everything you need. That you're going to find mercy from God and you're going to find help, the help that you need in your time of need. Here's the thing. Many people in their time of need don't look to the Lord. In their time of need, they run from the Lord. Sometimes when we need the Lord the most, we're tempted to go another way. We're tempted to, you know, go away from the Lord or look, look away from him. It's when we need him the most that we want to run to him. And so that verse is Hebrews four, verse 16. It's when we need him the most, when we, sometimes that's when you mess up, when you sin, some people sin and they're like, Ooh, I can't go to God. God's not, that's when you need him the most. You need to come. You're embarrassed. Come, come now. God, God has seen a whole lot worse than what you just did. Don't let there be anything to keep you from coming to the Lord. You need to, we all need to get good at running to the Lord. Amen. I need to run from everything else, but I need to run to the Lord. And so that's a mistake that David makes here that we need to learn from so that we don't make the same mistake. In particular, if you're discouraged, right? If you're discouraged about anything, marriage stuff, health stuff, work stuff, life stuff, 
whatever it may be, some some not coming your way soon enough. Don't let your discouragement become your leader. Uh, you want to go in your discouragement. You want to take it to the Lord and let the Lord minister to you and meet you and speak to you in the midst of it. I was pondering this as, as I went through. Um, I, I haven't had in my life a lot of lengthy discouragements. Right. I've been fairly blessed over the course of my life. There have been some seasons that were very difficult, though. And there were seasons where there were discouraging things going on in my life. And this is just for me. I'm just sharing what God what God has ministered to me in those times. In the seasons of discouragement, what I have found, if I will look to the Lord, those are actually seasons where God shows me more of who he is. I've learned more through difficult seasons about God than I have through some of the good seasons. Uh, when I say good, you know, when things are going great, it's not that I'm not experiencing God. I'm appreciating the greatness. But there's some times where I'm desperate and broken and hurting and going through. And, and, and those are times where I've, I've experienced God just show himself. Show me what's going on. Show me why he's allowed it. Show me what his purpose is. One of, for me, that I, that I recall right now, one of, one of the, the more, I guess, discouraging seasons for me, early on when we planted the church and I was trying to, you know, I had been on staff at a church for 11 years. So trying to find a job that would allow me to sustain my family while planting a church was difficult. You know, a resume that says you were a youth pastor at a church doing marriage counseling, it just didn't fare very well. I couldn't even get a job at Terminex squirting roaches. I got to the third interview at Terminex and I thought surely I could get a job squirting bugs, you know. And the guy said at the third interview, he sat down with me, at the third interview, you're supposed to get the job. He said, um, explain to me what a week of work you know, what did you exactly do? And I said, well, I was, you know, pastor, I did study. That's my dad's study. And I, I did counseling appointments. I prepared Bible studies. I gave Bible study. I did youth trips, camps. He says, bro, I just have to be honest with you. I just don't see you crawling under houses. And I said, I'm willing to do that. He said, I, I know, but I, I just don't see it. And he didn't hire me. And um, I, that was discouraging, except for this. And this is where I say the Lord would always meet me there. God said, look, I open doors and no man shut. And I shut doors and no man opened. If that was for you, I would have given you the job squirting bugs. But I didn't. And so then I got a job and I worked at uh, downtown L.A. I worked in um, the Rich Carlton and it was a job, basically a servant job flipping tables. So they had guys there that, you know, they have events nonstop. And so your job was to go into the room, set it up, put tables, chairs, covers, you know, in this arrangement, they give you a sheet and you make the room look like that sheet. Go do another room. After the event, you come clean up, pull the stuff down, pull the chairs, pull the tables, put them on the rollers, take them away. It was a labor job. And I, I remember my first week at that job thinking, one, this is this is very difficult physically. I've been at an office job. So I'm like this is kicking my butt. Right. Then you get that little paycheck. And it was like, eh. All that for this, you know, that, that was a very it was it was such a discouraging season. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie. There were there were some days where I left that job and I cried in my car. I'm like, man, this this is I don't I don't like I don't I'm, I can't imagine this. This can't go on like this. But then God would just give me a glimmer, give me a glimmer of purpose. And I'm, it was one night and I, I mean, I, I was sick of this place. I couldn't stand it, but I was doing it. And I went to work that night and the boss 
supervisor over us, over all the all the guys on our crew. We were all in a room. We were waiting for an event to finish so we can go flip this room. Well, it, the event went over. So we're just all on standby in this big room. And there's if you could imagine there's all kind of conversations going on. And I'm so out of place. I'm there. I'm among all these young guys that they're showing porn on their phone. Their music is playing that I don't listen to. And so I just kind of I just fall back. I back up a little bit. I, I'm sitting down, but I'm not in the midst. So the guy, uh, the supervisor, whose name was his name was Matthew. He said, hey, oh, he says, hey, man, I think we offended the reverend. And I'm like, don't do me like that, bro. And he said, no, no, come here. Come here. So he calls me over. Now, this is the supervisor. He says, um, hey, man, I saw this thing on the news and all these birds had just fell down dead. He said it was some apocalyptic blank word. He said, tell me, what does the Bible say is going to happen in the end? I kid you not. He he laid that before me and said, tell, tell us, tell us what's going to happen in the end. I got to explain in times the gospel, heaven and hell to the supervisor just told me to do it to everybody in the room. Do you know what happened after that? I had three different people come up to me privately and say, hey, man, I'm, I'm a Christian. I had one guy tell me, man, I, I walked away from the Lord. I was so encouraged from there. And that was my last month there. I really feel like God was like, I gave you an assignment. I'll let you complete it. Uh, and then they start booking me on Sundays, which I said I wouldn't do. I'm, I'm not going to work here and not do the church, you know. But anyway, very discouraging season. But there were moments where God just would say, hey, there's, pur- there's purpose in every season if you're looking for me. And so if you got a lengthy season, if it's just going a long time, just look to the Lord. Make sure you keep look. Don't look to yourself. Don't look to other people. Don't seek counsel from the world. Look to the Lord. Let him encourage your heart in whatever way he would encourage your heart. I, I find that in the dark places, the, the Lord will shine the brightest oftentimes. It's to those that are looking for him, right? Don't look anywhere else. David made the mistake of looking somewhere else. It's, this is the amazing thing. I wish I could cheat ahead, right? As soon, when we get to the point in, this, in the next thing, as soon as David turns to the Lord, God meets him. It's like God was like, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm right here the whole time. God was right there. But David wouldn't find the Lord till he looked. Right. God didn't go here. David. Hey, now you are. You, you're supposed to know this already. And so you make sure you look to the Lord. You you carve out some time that the Lord might meet you and what you're going through. So. A couple more things from from verse eight. Again, I, I believe that David's situation with Saul led him to where he is. And I, like I said earlier, we want to be careful that we don't let some misrepresentation of God turn us away from God. We always want to be those that are running to the Lord. And so here's the, the trend that I see happen with David. In chapter 27, verse 1, there was wrong thinking. In chapter 27, verse 2 and 5, there was wrong actions. That, that wrong thinking you know, that there's nothing else for me, but Saul's going to eventually kill me. There's nothing else for me to do, but for me to defect to the Philistines. That was the wrong thinking. In verses two through five, the wrong actions. He took his 600 men and they went on down to Achish and joined up with the Philistines. And now as we're here in chapter 29, verse eight, David is desiring to be on the wrong team. Wrong thinking, wrong actions. Now David would like to be on the wrong team. And again, we're looking at a great man of God and looking at how how quickly really he fell into this place. 
Thank God that there's grace with the Lord. Thank God there's forgiveness with the Lord. Thank God that God's going to, when David does turn and cry out, God's going to hear him and he's going to be restored and things are going to be made right. But this is how he got to this low point. And so you don't want to let wrong thinking lead you to make wrong actions that land you on the wrong team. Amen. And so how do we stop all that? Before you get to wrong thinking, pray. Uh, After you pray, read the word. Let your thoughts be taken captive. Let the word of God inform how you're thinking, how you're processing. Um, Let God through prayer be the one to guide you what your actions should be or should not be. And don't ever switch teams. You are for eternity on the team that God has put you. I'm with God. I'm with Jesus and his people. That's who I'm with today. That's who I'm going to be with when I die. That's the team that I'm on. Don't ever defect from that. Don't ever let anything happen in this world by some person turn you away from God and the people of God because you need both. And so there are believers out there that, well, I love God, but I don't like church. That you won't love God then because you can't love God and hate what he loves. Y'all know that? I can't declare that I love God and say, man, I can't stand y'all though. No, I, if, if, if y'all told me, Bill, I really like you, but I can't stand your kids. How do you, how, how you think our relationship is going to be? I was a Bill, man, Bill, Pastor Bill, we love you, man. But your kids, I can't stand that Benjamin, that harmony. That, oh, my goodness. That wouldn't fare well. We wouldn't have a great relationship. And here's the thing. People that love you are going to love what you love. Right. Because they love you. You can't love God and not love his church. Now, the church difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's made up of it's made up of you. Right. So that's why it's why is church difficult? Because you are part of it. So uh, it's it's difficult for all of us, but we're part of it. And there ain't no family like God's family. And so don't don't let something run you away from the family of God. Many I've seen it happen over and over again. I've seen people have some bad experience. And now I don't go to church. I just I read on my own and pray. So you don't have no fellowship. You don't get with no believers. Never. You can't have no kind of walk with God living like that. There's no example of Christians living like that anywhere in Scripture. Always believers are together with other believers as often as they can be. Even the Apostle Paul, who was isolated in prison, you know, he would say, man, I can't wait for you guys to come see me. He wanted to see them. When he when he was in prison, he couldn't be with the people. He was writing to the people about the people. His heart was with the people of God. And that's where we want our hearts to be with the Lord and with his people. Amen. All right. Verse nine, it says, then Achish answered and said, no, David, I know that you are as good in my sight as an angel of God. He was really fooled (laughs) as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the princes of the Philistines have said he shall not go up with us to the battle. Now, therefore, rise early in the morning with your master servants who have come with you. And as soon as you are up early in the morning, have light, depart. So Acres lets David know, bro, it's not going to happen. You're not coming with us. They won't have you. He says, you are as good to me in my sight as an angel of God. And again, while that sounds all wonderful, it's only because David has deceived him. David is living a lie before this man. But he's, David is being rejected and told, Um, You need to go ahead and head back home. Y'all get up first thing in the morning. You need to get out of here. And so uh, when I titled the chapter, Lord, save me from myself. I really believe that God intervened here for David and kept David from this. This would have been a huge error for David. And God has kept him from it. 
at this point. And I was thinking of other scenarios. I had all these things in scripture, man, where God would intervene. I think of Balaam. You know, Balaam was tempted by money and was willing to curse the people of God for enough money and stuff. And as he got ready to go and speak a curse, God said, only going to let you speak a blessing. And every time he tried to go curse, he blessed. And, he, and the blessings got better. And uh, Balak is like, hey, man, I hired you to curse them. Now, get, now, now curse them already, you know, and, and, and it didn't work out. That was God intervened. Even when Balaam was on the road with the donkey and the donkey could see the angel of the Lord, but Balaam couldn't see the angel of the Lord. God intervened. God didn't let that happen. God intervened. And I want you to know that there are times in our lives where we would go the wrong way. And God's like, I'm, I'm got to put up some roadblocks to hinder you, to slow you down, to stop you. Um, and I, I'll share this one last thing. We're, we're almost done. But right when I got the year that I got saved, I only been saved a few months. A couple months after I got saved, y'all know I met my wife. Um, we were friends, but she liked me. I liked her. But she was like, I'm not sure if he's really saved all the way and all that kind of stuff. So uh, me and a friend of mine had a trip planned before I got saved to Vegas for his 21st birthday. It was all paid for. And we were going to go to Vegas and do what you do in Vegas. Well, then I get saved. Now, I've been saved for some months. I haven't drank in all this in, in the months that I've been saved. I mean, my life has changed radically. I go to church every week. I met a girl that I go to church with. You know, I'm like, my life is in a whole nother place. And I remember my buddy calling saying, hey, man, you know, are you getting ready? It's, you know, it's in, it's in a couple of weeks or whatever. And I was really torn. This is a friend from from for my lifetime. You know, and I'm like, man, maybe I'll go. But and just try to, you know, be good. But I knew good and well at that point in my walk that I was very weak. And if I went to Vegas, I would have did everything that you do in Vegas. I was a new believer and I was weak. So I was staying away from everything and everybody. But I was really considering because because I love my friends. And I remember talking to Mika, who was pretty smooth. I tried to, like, explain the situation to her. And I was feeling her out, you know, for what she might say. And. You know, I think I was hoping that she would be like, oh, you know, well, just be careful. And, you know, where um, this is, I remember she just it was, a, you know, she's a woman of few words at times. And it, I, mean, I still remember what she said. She said this to me. She said, I know you'll do what God tells you to do. And I was like, oh, oh man, I was going to ask him. He's going to say, no, he hates Vegas, you know, so. <laughs> so but sure enough, you know. I knew that the Lord didn't want me to do that. And I, so I didn't go. I didn't go on that trip. And I, I look back now and I think, you know, the only thing that God knew, he knew what I cared more about. Like, I don't know if there was anything I, at that point in my life that I would have cared more about than that, except that I was like, man, I, I really believe that I had met my wife who wasn't sure I was really saved. And the last thing she needed to see is me on a plane to Vegas because she might decide then they're like, no, nah, see, you, you still doing Vegas. No, we, we're good. You know, so the Lord kept me. And I, I wonder if had I gone on that trip, I don't know that I'd be here right now doing this. I, I might have fallen full with Satan made and said, we got to get him good now, you know, before he really get going. I thank God for that. That was to me, that was an intervention. God knew what to use in my life. And again, maybe for you, God has put up roadblocks and stops here. I believe God stopped David by causing the Philistines to, re, you know, reject him. And, and it's, it's a good thing for David. He didn't do this, uh, that he was later, later able to get back going. So David and his men got sent packing 
And in verse 11, it says, so David and his men rose early to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. And so if only David was listening to God like he was listening to Achish. Achish said, David, I know you don't, I know you, I know you want to come with me, but you can't. You got to go. And David said, OK. And he packed up and went. And I, I, I hate to see believers submitting to you know, the wicked in a way that, that that submission belongs to the Lord. You know, we're supposed to hear God and just do what God says like that. Quick obedience to the Lord. But David packed up and went back. Um, like he said, I wrote down here, don't let an unbeliever speak with authority in your life. And then you don't obey God. Right. So don't be the believer that's all submissive to your boss at work for a couple dollars. But God can't tell you what to do. We need to be though. We need to be submissive to the Lord. Whatever he says, we want to be those that are obeying it. Uh, we want to be obedient to the voice of the Lord. I note again that in all this time, since verse 27 to now, there's been no prayer and no seeking of God. And so be careful not to be so upset that you won't pray. Let prayer be your default in every situation. Good times, prayer, praise. Tough times, prayer for help. Difficult times, prayer for intervention. Just you want prayer to be your first thing you do. Let me pray. Uh, just sing. I'm going to say I pray. You may say you may pray while you're walking, pray while you're driving. But you want your default to be first thing I'm going to do about every situation is run this to the Lord in prayer. You will find that God is listening, that God can help you. You are connected to the best help available, but you got to tap in by faith through prayer. Amen. The worst time of David's life. Don't forget this was a season of prayerlessness. And one thing that prayerlessness displays in the life of the believer is your lack of dependence on the Lord and how much you trust in yourself or other things. Um, so when a person's not praying, it really says it communicates non-verbally. You trust in you or you trust in something else. Uh, when you pray, what's demonstrated through your prayer is that I trust in you trust in the Lord. That's why you're praying. Prayer takes faith. Without faith, you can't please God. Prayer requires faith. I got to pray, not seeing God hear me, not seeing a quick response. But I know by faith that he hears me. He cares. He'll answer in his timing. Now I need to pray and wait. Amen. I just want to say to discourage people, take your discouragement to the Lord. Don't let it run you from him. Let it run you to the Lord with all your heart. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the examples in it. Good and bad examples. God, thank you for this example to the life of David. And uh, Lord, I pray for those that, that may be listening to this now. Uh, that are battling with discouragement. God, I pray as they look to you, that they would find peace from you, Lord. That, God, you would give them perseverance uh, to be able to wait. God, your timing is your timing. That they would, they would persevere, that they would wait upon you. That, God, they'd be renewed in strength as they wait upon you, as your word promises. And God, I pray that we would do what it says in Hebrews, that we would come boldly to your throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need and when we need it the most. So God, may we wait on you patiently. May we trust in you wholeheartedly. And may we never let disappointing people cause us to turn away from you. Help us to, to battle from discouragement, Lord. 
back into a place of victory in you. We thank you for your word tonight. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. We're currently in the book of 1 Samuel. Many of the childhood Bible stories stem from this book. David is a main character, and he came from humble means. He was a simple shepherd boy, but God had great things in mind for him. He was a musician also, and this served him well as he was able to help King Saul. But more than these occupational type of skills, David had a heart for God like no other. God refers to David as a man after his own heart. What a compliment coming from the very creator of everything. This doesn't mean that David was perfect. As we all know, he wasn't. But his heart was continually coming back to God, seeking help, asking for refuge, and coming back with a repentant heart. This is the type of heart God wants from each of us. Do you find yourself looking up to David and his character? If you'd like to learn more about David in 1 Samuel, feel free to listen to more teachings from this series on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's calvaryinglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Our time with you today is about up, but we encourage you to keep reading and studying this eventful book of the Bible. We're so grateful you took the time to listen today. And Pastor Bill will be back with more in the coming edition of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep your head in the Word and your heart close to God. Then, make sure to come back for another insightful edition of A Transforming Word.